Is someone torturing a voodoo doll of me or do I just have back pain? Is ectoplasm good for you? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This, this Paranormal, Paranormal Life. Boo! <laughs> Soldier Boy back on the podcast. Uh, welcome to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast where every episode we investigate a different paranormal case tale or claim and get to the bottom of whether it's truly paranormal or not you are joined by myself kit grimalvena this guy across from me rory mother flipping pars that's right how are you doing today roy i'm doing great i mean so you didn't intro it as a comedy podcast and it is like there's some jokes in there but you know i prefer to say comedy paranormal podcast because it's mm. kind it is a, a it's jokes there are some jokes but it's also pretty goddamn serious as it's, well it's also so. pretty bone dry it can be yeah so I just don't want to get people's hopes up if they're like, oh, you know, I've had a rough day. I, I want something to like lighten my lighten my mood. Because it's probably not going to do that. It's not going to. No, it We talk about goes. some scary stuff. This podcast is ideally for people who are in the best point of their lives. Maybe they just got married. Maybe they just, maybe they're on the honeymoon right now. They yeah. can afford to come down a few <laughs> notches. Of course. Someone who's never experienced the paranormal before. You know, you can't be on a knife edge and listening to this podcast because we'll push you. We'll push you onto the wrong side. That's honestly what we aim for every week. Uh, And this week is no exception. So let's dive right in. Today's investigation is one of the most famous paranormal cases in history. There have been books, films, countless investigations since, and all for good reason. This case featured so many inexplicable incidents and phenomena over such a long, sustained time that a lot of people were able to investigate it and record what was happening. All of those investigations are now irrelevant because Null this, this one void. is happening. The This Paranormal Life investigation that's is gonna is gonna be the full stop it's on a, this discussion. It's the gold standard. Uh, shout out to Higgypop.com who uh <laughs> We're, oh boy, we're, we're <laughs> bit a, of a wobbly start there. We're uh, a great help in piecing this whole thing together. Um, also, thanks to crystallinks.com. Listen, Higgy uh, <laughs> Crystal Links didn't help shit with this one. It's all Higgy Pop. Listen, by their thanks name. To that, extra thanks to Trevor down at the pub who actually gave us most of the info on this one between whiskeys. He wrote some shit in the back of a napkin. <laughs> Listen, Higgy Pop don't sound like they'd have the the deets, but they've been investigating the paranormal for 20 years. All right, fair play. We are in Enfield, North London, in 1977, 42 years ago. We're at the home of Peggy Hodgson and her two daughters, Margaret, aged 13, Janet, aged 11, and two sons, Billy, aged 7, and Johnny, aged 10. The house was number 284, a very typical semi-detached London council house built in the 1920s with three upstairs bedrooms and a kitchen and living room downstairs. By all accounts, life was peaceful for the Hodgsons at number 284. Peggy's brother, John, lived on the same street and they knew all their neighbours pretty well. All of this made more strange by the chaos that would unfold over the next year. On Tuesday 31st... (laughs) Off to a good start, I wrote Tuesday 31st. (laughs) Firsteth. <laughs> it's Tuesday, 31st of August, 1977, and Peggy just heard something. While pottering around the house, downstairs, working and looking after the kids, she heard a knock 
Nothing major, just enough to make her think, what was that? And later, a bang from one of the other rooms. Hmm. But living with four kids under the age of 13, none of this was very surprising, so she was mostly able to forget about it. Until that evening, while putting the kids to bed, Janet, age 11, came to her and said, Billy's bed was going all funny. Janet's like, what does that mean? Yeah. She's like, it's moving on its own. Okay, Janet, I don't have time for this shit. I've got four kids, I'm a single mother, get the f*** to bed, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's nothing. When you're a single mother of four kids, you have just enough time when you get home from work to slap a bunch of chicken nuggets in the oven, shovel them into every child's mouth, and then it's lights out. You know what? F*** the oven. Raw. Raw nugs. (laughs) Frozen nuggets. You, You know, sit on them for 10 minutes, that'll probably heat them up enough. To make them edible. (laughs) Some sort of bizarre chicken parent at this point, sitting on the food until it's ready. You just, you don't have time for moving beds. You don't have time for knocks. You don't have time for questions, honestly, (laughs) let alone statements. Billy's bed's going all funny. Shut up, do your homework. (laughs) But you can imagine after the knocking that day, Peggy must have been at least thinking about it in bed that night. The next day, it's Wednesday, it's 9.30 p.m. And Peggy hears some banging again and shuffling about. So she marches over to the back bedroom again to shut these little bastards up. Uh, But to get the kids to stop messing around. But Janet explains to her, no, it's coming from the drawers by the doorway. Peggy walked over to the drawers. But before she could even get any closer, the drawers shuffled forward. Oh, she stopped in her tracks, staring at them. But once she could convince herself she was imagining things, she just grabbed the drawers and pushed them up against the wall. But as soon as she turned away, it moved out again. She moves back over, pushes it back. She's being a pretty cool-headed parent at this point. Yeah. Uh, Putting on a a decent show for the kids here of strength. She pushes it back against the wall. And for a third time, it shuffles out. Oh my God. That's definitely not normal. This time she grabs it and goes to push it back, but she couldn't. She said it was like there was an invisible force stopping her. This happened in 1977 when Janet was interviewed about this uh, just a couple of years ago for The Telegraph, I think. Uh, She said, We shouted, Mum, Mum. We were sort of frightened, but also intrigued. It's so vivid, some of it. Mum was dumbfounded, really. She pushed it back and it started to move again. She tried to push it back again and it just wouldn't move. So she said, right, we'll go downstairs. We was very, very nervy. At this point, Peggy has realized her house is haunted. So her and the kids fled the house to the neighbors, the Nottingham's house. That was a pretty quick conclusion for someone who seemed quite skeptical about the whole thing to begin with. I think she was being cool. As Janet says, she was she was dumbfounded. But I think when you've pushed the drawers three times in the space of 20 seconds and then you go to push them and they won't move, there's an invisible force pushing back. Yeah. If it's 9.30 at night, that'll freak me out. I guess, but to, to, was there no even question like, oh, maybe it's actually just stuck. Maybe there's a bit of slanting in the woodwork. Maybe it keeps sliding out. I think it, that's quite a jump to go straight to like, Well, third time in a row, shit's haunted. Pack up your nuggets, kids. We're getting out of here. This is you. Like, (laughs) there's a ghost. There's there's an army of ghosts. It's like the ghost army from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) 
in your house standing there taking swings at your kids and you're like honestly the furniture might just be stuck you don't know what's going on with the schematics of this house <laughs> it might be an optical illusion really well whatever you think she went to the nottingham's house and vic nottingham um the gentleman of the house was a roofer a man that works with his mitts works with his hands and he thought there has to be something wrong with the house itself. Pretty much what you're saying. Yeah. There has to be something wrong that's causing things to move. It's a logical guy, smart guy, probably handsome as well. I respect that. I didn't say anything about that, but I guess he It could, was implied. He it was been. in your tone of voice. I just said he worked with his hands. Worked with his mitts, in fact. Yeah, he, he's got a physical job. He's obviously jacked. Well, he's a roofer, so I guess he lifts Point more proven. than the average person. Go. Yeah. Vic squealed like a little girl <laughs> when no, he saw that. Vic! <laughs> you were the best of us! <laughs> Vic shite his pants <laughs> on and, sight of and the hid closet. behind Janet and Billy. Um, yeah, not you know, kind of a unique idea, but not impossible that there was something structurally wrong with the house. Because after all, if you, I grew up in an old house. That thing, especially like to do with the weather or what's going on, that thing will creak like crazy. Yeah, and if you just watched a scary movie, you can freak yourself out. It's true. It's very true. I mean, I, my house that I grew up in had, it was one of those houses where, you know, all the carpets weren't just one color, one tone. They all had like patterns on them and things. So you would like see little, little faces in those patterns late at night or like a clothes pile in this corner of your room would look like a, a guy sitting down watching you. Yeah. Freaky stuff like that. But it could just be the house. You always have to assume it's the house first. At I, least for a while. I definitely was run at a friend's house once and they had, you know, like the kind of tall uh, coat hanger that's like just a pole standing up and someone had put on like a trench coat and then like a top, not a top hat, but like a bowler hat kind of thing on right. top. Uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> in the pitch black of night, that is just a man in black come to take you away. Well, your house in Northern Ireland also had that door that just led to nowhere. <laughs> Don't right talk the about the door. <laughs> I showed you the door to nowhere in confidence. Sorry, I forgot. It would never come up on the pod. But when Vic went round to the Hodgson's to look at what was going on, he couldn't find anything obviously wrong. In fact, only that he was, quote, followed around the house by a knocking sound. Uh-oh. He said, if you go and listen to it on the wall over here... It suddenly come from the wall over there. Now, exasperated and kind of at a loss of who to turn to because Peggy has already gone to the most jacked, handsome, confident man on the street. That's right. Which is obviously who's going to sort this problem. Peggy called the only people who could help. The police. Because I guess she thought if it's not something wrong with the house itself, someone's in the goddamn house. Yeah. Um, that's essentially what you're worried about, isn't it? It's like... Whether it's paranormal or not, some, something's there. And there's a chance that it's an intruder. Yeah, and that's smart and somewhat reassuring that she went to the police before, say, a priest. <laughs> it, it's reflective of her mindset and how she's approaching the problem. So it, it, it paints her as a, as a good character. Okay, just don't get too attached to that fact because... Oh boy. I'm not... I don't want to give anything away, but Peggy might lose her cool. Did I mention the, <laughs> the police chief was a priest? She called 999. They said, name your emergency. She said, religious. <laughs> they said, say no more, sister. And sent down a crack team of nuns. So at 1 a.m., two officers arrived at the door. 
They checked the house all over, but sadly explained to Peggy that no crime had yet been committed, so there was nothing they could do. And it is true. Unfortunately, this kind of knocking, while disturbing, while upsetting, is not a crime or illegal. Yeah. But before the officers could leave the house, Constable Caroline Heaps was walking past the living room when she saw a kitchen chair wobble. This made her kind of stop in her tracks. And at this point, the chair slid a meter across the floor of the kitchen. Oh, okay. In a 2007 interview, WPC Carolyn Heaps said, It came off the floor nearly half an inch. I saw it slide off to the right about four feet before it came to rest. I checked to see if it could have slid along the floor by itself. I even placed a marble on the floor to see whether it would roll in the same direction as the chair. It didn't. I checked for wires under the cushions and chairs, and I couldn't see any. I couldn't find any explanation at all. Hmm. I love that. I love WPC Caroline Heaps, because um, when I first read about that little chance observation of the chair sliding, I thought it was a little standalone thing. I didn't realize that she just, like, went straight into investigation mode. Yeah. Looking to see if the kids were playing a trick on her. Whether there was anything wrong with the house, the leveling of the floor. There's obviously not a lot going on in this neighborhood at the time <laughs> where they could just put their duties on hold and say, go get me a marble. The f***ed <laughs> up thing is it was like North London in the 70s. There was definitely plenty of shit going on. This is why there was so much crime. Because <laughs> police were constructing elaborate paranormal experiments. It's so true. It's like scientists today, like... There's so many uh, uncured diseases out there, so many um, banes on mankind, but still like every day when you open the news, it's like, here's the scientifically proven optimal amount of hugs to give your dog a day to keep them happy. It's like, please focus on the important (laughs) shit, people. Yeah, it's like people are are dying every day from diseases that we don't know how they work. You just read articles being like, we actually taught a rat how to spell. Leave the rats! The rats are sm- Do you want them to rise up? <laughs> and, and they always give some bullshit reason why it's useful, which you know is just like their little get-out-of-jail-free card so they can research whatever the hell they want. They're like, well, by teaching the rats to uh, read, we think it might be a breakthrough into regenerative uh, brain oh, treatments. Yeah. Shut the f*** up. The rats don't need to read. I saw an article the other day about a rat that could drive a car. Like a little tiny rat car. Really? I've seen a dog drive a car. No, rats can do it as well. What is that doing? What's that curing? You know what? Truck drivers have it hard enough with Tesla coming along with these automated cars. They don't need rats (laughs) coming to take their goddamn jobs. I'm starting to think these scientists are merely a pile of rats in a lab coat. Why do they love rats so much? Imagine you called an Uber. You got the text. Your Uber driver is here. (laughs) Rizzo is here. It's it's Splinter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) So the police have come. Vic, the jacked roofer, has come. And no one's been able to help. A couple of nights later, on Sunday 4th of September, Peggy had an idea. If the police and the neighbors can't help, the next best thing is to alert the media. Get them to write about it. And maybe they can attract the attention of someone who can help. So she phoned the Daily Mirror and explained what was happening. Shortly after, Again, I don't know what's going on. People have time on their hands. But uh, very shortly after, Douglas Benson, Graham Morris came around to the house. 
Wow. The Hodgsons said, look, we'll go stay with the Nottinghams next door, get out of your hair, leave you guys alone in the house to see what's going on, see what you think. Smart. And so the men investigated on their own, looking at the spots where the phenomena had supposedly taken place. I guess checking out the walls, checking out the kitchen by the chairs, the drawers, upstairs. But there was nothing. It was totally still, totally silent. They stayed pretty much all night, but by 2.30 a.m., they got fed up and they went round to the Nottingham's to get Peggy and, and the kids. They said, look, the coast is clear. We were here all night. We didn't hear or see anything. The kids are tired. It's 2.30 a.m. You guys get some sleep. But the reporters, being gentlemen, accompanied Peggy and the kids back to the house just to reassure her that everything was okay. But as soon as they set foot back in the house, Lego pieces and marbles were thrown across the room, piece by piece. Both men stood in disbelief, and as if to remove any shred of doubt that they were hallucinating this stuff from lack of sleep, a Lego brick flew across the room and hit Graham Morris in the head. Whoa! So, Graham and Douglas obviously go back to the Daily Mirror office and say, I just got hit in the head by a ghost brick. You guys need to check this out. So a senior reporter by the name of George Fallows went with photographer David Thorpe to the house. And not only that, they turned to the Society for Psychical Research for help. We've definitely talked about them before, but they're kind of like a long-standing society that investigate the paranormal and stuff like that in England. There are too many people involved in this case <laughs> already. I mean, we haven't even seen a ghost or a spirit yet. Things are just kind of moving. And we've already got a family of four, five, two police officers, a news team, you, a photographer, you, and a roofer. You got this all backwards, <laughs> pal. Uh, this is this is the kind of shit we don't see anymore. If I called up the Daily Mirror today and told them my chair moved one meter, yeah, that matters to me. That matters to the paranormal uh, research community. But the Daily Mirror don't give a shit. They're too busy writing about, I don't know, celebrities in the jungle or something. Yeah, it's uh, got to be sexier than that. Whereas back in the day, they were willing to write about this stuff, willing to investigate it, get guys on the ground. I guess so. <laughs> you know, it's not very exciting. It's just about a lot it. of people for not a lot of things. But I guess things are, are stepping up a little bit. A guy bit. just got hit in the head by some Legos. Yeah, so if you got hit in the head by some Legos, you wouldn't want the press to be a little concerned? We've investigated cases where someone got blasted by the exhaust pipe of a diamond this UFO. Unbelievable. And no one would even return his phone calls. <laughs> well, that is true. But like, you need to give these people... This is the problem, is too many people go in too thick, too fast. They, pick, they call the local press... And they don't even do a little, like, hi, how are you? Yeah. They just go straight into, I just got blasted in the face with UFO diamonds. The receiver goes down, end right. of story. You need to be like, hey, I'm a mother of four. I'm a very reasonable person. But there are Legos in a, <laughs> in a vortex in my living room right now. Right, you gotta... You, you gotta ease them in. Ease it, ease into it. Okay, that's that's fair enough. So the reporters went to the Society for Psychical Research... And they sent newbie paranormal investigator Morris Gross along for the ride. The men visited the Hodgsons for a few days in a row, and Morris described the situation in the house. He said, I found chaos. There were a lot of very frightened people in there. And on Wednesday 8th of September, after a mostly quiet day, at 1.15am, the three men heard a crash coming from upstairs. They knew that whatever it was, was back. 
And when they ran into the girls' room and found them fast asleep, they also found that furniture next to the bed had been flipped over and strewn across the room. Graham Morris had said, When I first got there, nothing happened for a while. But then I experienced Lego pieces flying across the room and marbles. And the extraordinary thing was, when you picked them up, they were hot, which is relevant to poltergeist-type activity. I was standing by the table in the kitchen and a t-shirt leapt off the table and flew into the other side of the room while I was standing by it. I thought, well, that's good. Now I've really seen something. Oh, okay. How can I get you any more on board with this story? T-shirts and... (laughs) And toys are flying across the room in front of reporters' eyes. Look, granted, that's pretty convincing evidence. I mean, the the, the plus side of having this many people involved in a case is that you have a <laughs> lot of eyes on the subject. Yeah. You seem to have a problem with how many people are in this room. <laughs> this is like a ghost showing up at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> There's a whole generation of families in this one house while t-shirts and marbles are flying everywhere. You know, it's a good start. It's a good start. That's it? <laughs> if you if the Psychical Research Society said Roy Powers, <laughs> a t-shirt levitates in front of your face and flies no, no into the next room. No, no t-shirt And you're levitate. like, it's a start. It's honestly a start. The t-shirt didn't levitate. It I'm traveled. sorry. I was standing by the table and a t-shirt leapt off the table and flew into the other side of the room. It leapt. It flew. Okay. It didn't levitate. It, it didn't leapt hover like there. a frog, like a human. I'm just, I'm, I'm holding out till I get a little bit more. I've heard okay. big things about the Enfield haunting, you know? I, I, I'm, in my head, it's this huge big thing and not just marbles and t-shirts flying around like some sort of magician's spell. So I'm excited to hear more. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
You're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Within days, the story was on the cover of the Daily Mirror. The headline read, The House of Strange Happenings. As you say, if the press wasn't already hyping this up, yeah, it's in... It's the headline on like one of the biggest papers in the country. The subheading read, A family are living in fear of strange goings on that are driving them from their home. And this was the beginning of what would become known in the media as the Enfield Haunting. And in a way, Peggy's plan did work because London's media did go for it. The same night that the headline went out, Peggy interviewed on LBC Radio at 10.30pm telling her story. And when she arrived back at the house around 2am, suspiciously close to the paranormal hour may I add, uh, a BBC journalist was waiting at the door named Rosalind Morris. At 2am? Oh yeah. What the hell's going on? (laughs) She explained that she was from BBC Radio 4 and she wanted to witness the house for herself so that she could report it the next day. Rosalind went into the house with Peggy and stayed all night checking out the house and interviewing Peggy and Morris. And crucially, she saw furniture moving on its own and armed with a tape recorder was able to record several instances of knocking and banging over the house. Ah. So you can definitely see how this case was building momentum because like you point out, there's a lot of people they dropped a lot of names because I want to like leave the little paper trail of these aren't quacks. This isn't like all Peggy's neighbors who are like, yeah, that's crazy, Peggy. I guess your place is haunted. Right. It's like we went straight to Daily Mirror journalists, granted her neighbors, the police, BBC Radio 4 journalists, and at every single turn, everyone who came to see the house saw with their own eyes paranormal phenomenon. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more consistent than I thought it was. I was under the impression this is something that happened maybe once or twice or at a certain time of night. It seems like if you just go there at 2 a.m., you're gonna see Lego flying around, marbles flying around, shirts hovering there like bed knobs and broomsticks. Pretty much. I mean, I have to remember this all started because Peggy and the kids were so disturbed by what was happening, they fled the house. And like, we'll see this all through this investigation that they constantly have to leave because shit is popping off too hard. Right. Like I say, things were becoming somewhat unmanageable for the Hodgsons. At first, when they would hear noises or see things in the house, they could just escape to Peggy's brother's house a couple of doors away. But on the 25th of September that year, when they visited Peggy's brother, Peggy's sister-in-law Sylvia was making a cup of tea. And according to Sylvia, a piece of a kid's toy appeared in front of her and then dropped straight down onto the kitchen counter. Uh Uh-oh. This was the first time the paranormal activity left the house. Oh boy, that ain't good. They knew they had to get away from Enfield for a while. And this is kind of an interesting point. Like, in the movies, and probably in the movie they made about this, one of the things that people find so frustrating is like, why don't they just leave? Why don't they just run away? Right. These guys lived in a council house for, like, American listeners who might not have the same system or maybe don't fully understand. But if you... Uh, are given a council house to live in by the government, 
you pretty much don't have too much say in where you get to live. Yeah, it's not really up to you. Yeah, it's kind of because you're getting given it at either a reduced rate or maybe for free in some cases, there's kind of limitations. So I think Peggy at this point had complained to her like local housing authority and said, this is going to sound crazy, but there's Legos and marbles. No. <laughs> you didn't even let me finish. She tried to tell them it was haunted. They were like, that's not really grounds for you to get a different house. Yeah. Uh, so they shut her down. And fair enough. This seems surprising to me. Um, maybe this is like a like an old fashioned, more generous Britain. But according to the um, one of the sources I was getting information from, apparently they uh, instead of getting her a different place, they funded her to like get away with the kids for some time from the house. What? Yeah. So they like they took like a week break and went to Clacton on Sea. Maybe they were given like an emergency loan or something and they basically got away from the house for a week and stayed by the seaside because they just wanted to forget about everything that was happening. Let the kids relax and be kids for once. They weren't getting any sleep, which kind of been helping anyone's mental state. Yeah. But sooner or later, they would have to return and face the house. Now, you'll remember when the Society of Psychical Research got involved in this case, they sent Morris Gross, an enthusiastic but fairly junior investigator, so as things started heating up at house number 284, the society reached out to Guy Lion Playfair. That's our real name. An investigator called Playfair. <laughs> and he doesn't, by the way, Playfair. <laughs> it's a pretty giveaway name, yeah. This guy definitely um, doesn't take off sunglasses. Never. And if he does, it's only to reveal a smaller pair he had on underneath. Right. He's definitely... Or double eye patches. He's definitely French- speaks like a very limited amount of English. Yeah. No one really knows about his past. It's very shady, very cagey about the whole thing. One of those people, the more you ask about his past, the more he pretends to not speak English. <laughs> exactly. Definitely a member of the Galactic 12 <laughs> at some point. He had just finished writing his most recent book on the paranormal at this point and was about to go on a relaxing holiday, kick back, forget about the paranormal. We can relate to this. Uh, it's coming up to Christmas, you know. <laughs> Forget about the paranormal for a while. We want to leave our haunted house. But after hearing about what was happening in Enfield, he cancelled the bish. Good. Because he decided there were not enough men, women, and children on this case, and he had to go help Morris. So he headed to Enfield for the first of what would become more than 180 visits. Oh my god. And on the 5th of November bonfire night in england peggy and the kids got back from clacton on sea is that what is that what it's called that sounds insane clacton on sea that's the most old-timey place in it place i've ever heard in my life okay that's what that's what it's called english people don't understand that when you're not from england it all sounds made up it really does they got back from clacton on sea just in time for a paranormal investigation morris and guy from the society had decided that <laughs> Sorry, just thinking about them, you know, <laughs> chilling out for a week by the ocean, sunbathing. They're coming back sun-kissed, mellowed out. They just turn up their driveway and there's like these two dudes kitted out in like black leather trench coats. Thank God you're here. They're like, oh my God, one, I forgot. One of, them, <laughs> one of them's got a goat-headed demon <laughs> by the horns. 
Somebody kick him in the nuts, damn it. I know. I did think. I was like, why couldn't they wait one day? Yeah, or do it earlier. Do it while they were gone. Wait till the kids are at school. They did it that night. Thank thank God the kids are back. We needed them as bait for the demon. (laughs) Terrible idea. Peggy, you should you should take the night off. Go to the bar or something. Kids, we need you. Morris and Guy from the Society had decided that since the entity keeps knocking all over the house, that they would try and openly communicate with them through knocking. Okay, smart arrival. So with everyone sat around, Morris plucked up the courage to ask, Can you tell me what 2 plus 2 is? Okay, so just like a little warm-up, I guess. But it could be coincidence. So he says, okay, this time, knock once for no and twice for yes. Oh my god. Did you die in this house? To find out what happened next, you're going to have to tune in to the second part of the This Paranormal Life investigation into the Anfield haunting. A two-parter, huh? A two-parter, mother flippers. Wow. I told you he had 180 visits, didn't I? (laughs) Couldn't have squeezed a little more into episode one. It was national goddamn news. The paranormal investigators from all over coming onto this thing. Journalists. I thought I would be policemen. I thought I'd be neck deep in ghouls right now. I thought there would be like a paranormal house party going on, Project X style. I thought they were going to get back from their, their holidays and there's ghost chugging... <laughs> ghoulish beers in the kitchen, things, Lego pieces flying up people's asses. I gave you Lego pieces <laughs> flying up people's Not asses. The asses. <laughs> also, there's never been a ghoulish Project X party in the history of this show. Sasquatch is doing a keg stand in the living room. It's fine. I assume all of this is is happening in the in the second part. Maybe part three and four. <laughs> part three and four. Okay, it'll only be two parts. Listen, it's the Enfield haunting. I don't need to tell you that there's some crazy shit that happens. Yes, you do. In the second half. Some great <laughs> shit happened in the first half, too, but it's even crazier shit happens in the second half. It's the Enfield haunting. I don't need to tell you what happens. <laughs> Find out next week. <laughs> you know, I get it in an investigation this big. You know, you don't want to you don't want to brush over the little details. It's like when we investigated, uh, I think it was believe it was my last two parter. The American Diat Law of Pass incident, where while recording the second part of the episode, I realized I could have summed the first up in a string of sentences. Right. But sometimes people wouldn't have got the the big picture. They wouldn't have been living through the tension of every moment if you breeze through it. You know, I felt like I was there. I felt like there were Lego pieces coming at me while I was listening. That's what I think is cool about this case is that. I wanted to point out how, if we like jumped to how crazy things got, like right Right. off the bat, it would kind of maybe minimize it and make it seem like, like we talk about a lot of fantastical stories on this podcast and then it might kind of lump it in with those. But I wanted to show with Enfield how slowly this built over a very like day by day, one thing happened after the next and day by day, more and more witnesses got racked up and it went from the experience of one lady and her kids to national news. It's true. You know, there's a reason that all of our episodes start with, it was a normal day. 
and so and so was driving home. It, you can't start with interior night, gray in my face, probe in my ass. It doesn't stop us <laughs> from you, doing it now and again. Sure, but that's not how you you got to ease into these stories. That's right. And this is what we're doing today. <laughs> so, guys, I hope I, I whetted your appetite for some more. Um, I feel like it's been a little minute since we had a good old fashioned haunting. Yeah, it uh, has actually. Yeah, you're right. So looking forward to seeing what you guys think about that. So thanks for tuning in to the first part of our investigation on the Enfield haunting. If you enjoyed this episode, if you can't wait for part two, uh, let it be known that there are bonus episodes always available on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. And as always, at the end of every episode, we like to take the time to shout out those who have supported us on Patreon. That's what we're going to do right now. Let's go. Thanks to Jason Hall. Jason Hall is the kind of guy that, um, much like in this story, when um, furniture starts sliding down your hallway, you want to get in touch. He's kind of an expert on that tiny uh, field of expertise. The hallway? The hallway. <laughs> he's like he's like the jacked neighbor in this situation where he'll get out the marbles, he'll get out the tape measure... See if anything's paranormal. If it is, not his area. No. Mostly marbles and tape measures is what he's good at. But, uh, you know, he looks great while he's doing it, so I recommend um, I recommend booking him. Thanks also to Lewitz Butkovich. Lewitz is a paranormal investigator who uh, had a case similar to this where he tried to investigate using uh, knocking on the walls. But uh, not knowing his own strength, he actually punched straight through the drywall and uh, clocked the demon right in the side of the head. Oh my god. Took it down on first knock. Wow. It was the swiftest paranormal investigation of all time. I think he got a medal. With a right hook like that, I know there's heavyweight, whatever, middleweight, lightweight, featherweight. Is there a ghost weight, a demon weight? There should be. He could honestly be a contender. Thanks also to Kevin McChrisican. Kevin is in heaven because, uh-oh, he passed away recently. Oh, my condolences. Uh, real tragedy. He took one of Lewitt's right hooks. Oh, uh, he was in the wall. He was in the line of Judy. And by line of Judy, I mean delivering pizza to Lewitt's and Judy. So he wasn't even in the wall. He just knocked on the door. He knocked on the door. door. Ding dong. He even yelled, Domino's <laughs> delivery service. And Lewitt's just came out swanging. <laughs> oh, no. Took him down. First punch. The f***ed up thing is Lewis, Lewis still ate the pizza. Oh, that, that's pretty... That, at that point, that's just murder and theft. Yeah. Uh, so, Kevin, rest easy. Thanks also to Jake Kennedy. Hey, it's Jake from Jake's Fake Cakes. The company that, that hand-delivers fake cakes for, for any occasion. Is it fake cakes because you're making this up right now? I mean, you don't... No, so it's, very a, it's a company about it. that Jake owns, Jake's Fake Cakes. So, so the cakes aren't real? Or? The cakes aren't real. They look like cakes. You, you give them to someone on their birthday, and they you know, you know you, they cut into it with a bl- blade, and it's whatever. It's a bomb. What? It's Well, that was just an example. It could be anything else. It could be... So he makes... So arguably, he makes anything but cakes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, some, sometimes you'll cut into it, and it's just like... Like a, a, well, a bomb. They're mostly bombs. Oh, okay. It's kind of like you send your enemy, like, a fake cake. 
Wow, it's just a bomb with icing on so it. So he's kind of like a 007's Q kind of... He can fashion <laughs> any deadly weapon into a cake, it seems like. He can't fashion any weapon into a cake. He can only fashion cake into bombs. Oh. So not so much Q, because he's kind of a one-note uh, one note inventor here. He's more like C, and the C is for bomb. <laughs> Thanks also to Farhan Kabir. Niran, Farhan... Wherever so and Wow. I sing that song because they are the jewel in my life. They are my... What, what's the thing called? The freaking stone? The star of the sea? Oh, yeah. The, sure. The queen... The, the rock the of the oceans, ocean? A teardrop, teardrop or the some pearl? Some shit like that? That's what you are. I butchered the delivery, but that's what you are to me. You're you a know jewel. that piece of shit from that movie that's what you are <laughs> from that shit movie that's what you are to me baby <laughs> from that overrated pile of junk uh thank you Farhan. thanks also to harley d brubaker harley d if you do not ride a harley d i'm gonna be so unbelievably disappointed <laughs> what's even more surprising is her uh profession which um she is a baker but she doesn't bake cakes Oh. She bakes brews. What? Yeah, like, so she will, like, bake you a, a, what looks like a cake. It's like okay. a fake cake. Right, But sure. it's actually a brew. It's a brewski. It's a beer. It's a beer. It's just a Budweiser with icing on it and a little cherry on top. That's... Wh- How are there so many fake cake makers? You'd be surprised. This, this is one you kind of send, like, uh, you have, like, for, like, a stag. You're like, anyway, in all seriousness, enough with the, the drinking. I want to take a moment to... Just give you this cake, and then they try and cut it. And it's like it's a beer, you idiot! We'll never stop drinking. I feel like you need to be—you would need to be pretty—you need to have a pretty good understanding of cakes to make something, make a beer look like a cake. It's very true. It's very true. At that point, you should probably just bake a really yeah. good cake. Thanks also to Greg Gardner. Greg Gardner is actually a pretty good chef. Really? Yeah, he bakes. So he's not a chef. He's a baker. He well, he bakes. He cooks a lot of food. Okay. Specifically? Of all kinds. Cakes. <laughs> so he's not a chef. Well, he's still a chef, isn't he? He's a cook. No. He co- no. He co- no. No, no, no. He cooks a lot. If you only make cakes, that makes you one thing. They're not really cakes, though. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. It's actually with grass. This. This gardener makes cakes with grass. Okay. And by that I mean weed. <laughs> That's right, they're hash brownies. Okay, I can see a market for this. So it is a type of cake. It's a brownie. <laughs> brownies aren't a type of cake. It's a type of brownie, right? <laughs> also, it's 97% weed. So it's not much of a brownie. <laughs> These hash brownies might as well be grass crownies because they're the king of beers that's right it's all Budweiser baby <laughs> thanks also to Erica Getz if don't even if what I'm just putting it out there if Erica is any type of if Erica has anything to do with food I just don't want to know about it she she's nothing to do with food alright okay. Erica just gets a little upset on her birthday why when well no well don't rush me. I'm telling the story. She gets a little upset on her birthday because, you know, she's studying abroad, so she doesn't have a lot of friends okay. um, with her currently. So this is kind, it, it this be is like kind a of a lot time. like the first part of the Enfield hunting 
investigation. <laughs> it takes a little honest. while to tell the story. So yeah, so um, a couple, few characters. Like her parents are divorced, so oh, she wow. doesn't necessarily spend a lot of time with either of them. Okay. Uh, as they're like rediscovering who they are after thirty plus years of marriage. Um, so also being abroad in a place where where you don't have a lot of friends, you don't know a lot of people, that can be quite sure. traumatizing. So on your birthday, you know, the least that you deserve is a little bit of cake. And that's why she has to bake it herself. That's right. You said you promised me that she had nothing to do with food. I said she wasn't a baker. And what I really I said meant she was wasn't cakes. a cook. All right. But she's pretty damn good in a kitchen, specifically making cakes. So she's a baker. She's a cake baker. I guess you could call her that if these were real cakes. <laughs> this is insane. These are cocakes. 90% cocaine, 10% weed. So 0% cake then? <laughs> Sounds like it's 100% illegal drugs. 90% cocaine, 10% weed, and all bud all the time. <laughs> she knows how to make a mean cake. <laughs> and all light as a feather because it's bud light baby we got a lot of great uh, chefs and bakers listening to this week's episode i wish they weren't i honestly wish they weren't at this point and thanks lastly but not leastly to harry dean harry dean this lean machine was the first ever chef to try and bake a bean no one had ever done it before and harry thought hey what if i baked this bean it is kind of messed up because most you, you don't really think about it, but most of the beans you've ever eaten, they're baked. Yeah, a lot of them, and, for sure. And who do we have to thank for that? Harry Dean. That's wow. right. The very same. He, the weird thing is, he wasn't even trying to bake a bean. He was trying to make a goddamn don't you cake. Say, oh my god! The whole thing went south. How did it go that far south? There shouldn't be beans anywhere near a cake recipe. That's how it went south, all right? To make a cake, you're supposed to have milk, flowers, right. eggs. And he only had one bean. There's no way you could make a cake out of a bean. Out of as a he learned. Bean. As he learned. But hell, that's, but, what, that's, that's where we are now. Shoot for the moon, land among the stars, <laughs> Harry Dean. Uh, I mean, wow. I really hope I never hear of any of you ever again. But thank you for the support. Please you, send us cakes. Crazy. It doesn't sound like any of them can make a cake. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week for part two of The Enfield Haunting. 